All right, everyone, I want to thank our sponsor today, Organifi. You know, we talk a lot on this podcast about healing and the healing journey. Well, an integral part of that are the foods and the drinks that we consume. I know you know this. If you're like me, you know the importance of eating healthy, but you don't always have the time or the willpower to cook with all the colors of the rainbow. Organifi's superfood blends make it easy and enjoyable to add more variety and nutrition to your day. These are delicious organic powders that you can add to water or milk, stir and drink. It literally takes 30 seconds. It is that simple. A couple weeks ago, I was right about to start uh, a green juice fast, a kind of a short mini fast. And I kid you not, the day, the night before, Organifi reached out to me about sponsoring this podcast. And I will tell you that I was thrilled because this is aligned with what I'm doing. I'm familiar with Organifi. I've used them in the past before. I want to bring, be able to bring to you um, quality products and things that are going to promote a healthy lifestyle. Organifi Green Juice is the one I use. It's the one I use every morning so that I know right away I'm starting the day on a healthy note. It's loaded with vitamins, loaded with minerals, and essential antioxidants. As a listener of the Trauma Therapist Podcast, you can get 21% off any item by going to Organifi.com forward slash trauma and use the code trauma. Once again, to get 21% off any item, Go to Organifi, that's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com forward slash trauma and use the code trauma. All right, everyone, I want to thank our sponsor today, Organifi. You know, we talk a lot on this podcast about healing and the healing journey. Well, an integral part of that are the foods and the drinks that we consume. I know you know this. If you're like me, you know the importance of eating healthy, but you don't always have the time or the willpower to cook with all the colors of the rainbow. Organifi's superfood blends make it easy and enjoyable to add more variety and nutrition to your day. These are delicious organic powders that you can add to water or milk, stir and drink. It literally takes 30 seconds. It is that simple. A couple weeks ago, I was right about to start uh, a green juice fast, a kind of a short mini fast. And I kid you not, the day, the night before, Organifi reached out to me about sponsoring this podcast. And I will tell you that I was thrilled because this is aligned with what I'm doing. I'm familiar with Organifi. I've used them in the past before. I want to bring, be able to bring to you um, quality products and things that are going to promote a healthy lifestyle. Organifi Green Juice is the one I use. It's the one I use every morning so that I know right away I'm starting the day on a healthy note. It's loaded with vitamins, loaded with minerals, and essential antioxidants. As a listener of the Trauma Therapist Podcast, you can get 21% off any item by going to Organifi.com forward slash trauma and use the code trauma. Once again, to get 21% off any item, Go to Organifi, that's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com forward slash trauma and use the code trauma. All right, everyone, I want to thank our sponsor today, Organifi. You know, we talk a lot on this podcast about healing and the healing journey. Well, an integral part of that 
are the foods and the drinks that we consume. I know you know this. If you're like me, you know the importance of eating healthy, but you don't always have the time or the willpower to cook with all the colors of the rainbow. Organifi's superfood blends make it easy and enjoyable to add more variety and nutrition to your day. These are delicious organic powders that you can add to water or milk, stir and drink. It literally takes 30 seconds. It is that simple. A couple weeks ago, I was right about to start uh, a green juice fast, a kind of a short mini fast. And I kid you not, the day, the night before, Organifi reached out to me about sponsoring this podcast. And I will tell you that I was thrilled because this is aligned with what I'm doing. I'm familiar with Organifi. I've used them in the past before. I want to bring, be able to bring to you um, quality products and things that are going to promote a healthy lifestyle. Organifi Green Juice is the one I use. It's the one I use every morning so that I know right away I'm starting the day on a healthy note. It's loaded with vitamins, loaded with minerals, and essential antioxidants. As a listener of the Trauma Therapist Podcast, you can get 21% off any item by going to Organifi.com forward slash trauma and use the code trauma. Once again, to get 21% off any item, go to Organifi, that's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash trauma and use the code trauma. Trauma Therapist Podcast, episode 535. All right, welcome back to the Trauma Therapist Podcast. My name is Guy McPherson. My mission is to raise awareness of trauma and to support and inspire new trauma therapists just starting out on the trauma-informed journey. I do that with my membership community, Trauma Therapist 2.0, my online courses and workshops, and the Trauma Therapist newsletter. If you're a therapist of any kind and you work with individuals who've been impacted by trauma, I invite you to head on over to my website at thetraumatherapistproject.com. That's thetraumatherapistproject.com. All right, let's get started. All right, are you ready? Yes. All right. All right, so five, four, three, two, and one. All right, folks, welcome back to the Trauma Therapist Podcast. Very excited to have as my guest today, Dr. David Rosemarin. David, welcome. Thanks so much for having me. All right. So David is a director of the Spirituality and Mental Health Program at a Clean Hospital and an assistant professor of psychology in the Department of Psychiatry at Harvard Medical School. He supervises the provision of spiritually integrated services and clinical programs throughout the hospital's divisional structure and collaborates with laboratories to study the clinical relevance of spirituality to anxiety, mood, psychotic, substance use, and other disorders. We're here today to talk about David's book, The Connections Paradigm, Ancient Wisdom, Jewish Wisdom for Modern Mental Health. Um, so obviously a, a very topically related uh, book here. When did you start? When did you start writing this and why did you start writing it? Um, well, I started learning about this uh, approach to mental health probably 20 years ago and uh, trying to put it into practice in different contexts, different ways. Um, in terms of actually writing the books, that was probably more like a three or four year process. Okay. So it wasn't 
well, obviously it couldn't be right. We just started the pandemic. It wasn't, we started the pandemic and you started writing the book, obviously, but I I mean, you pick it up and it's, you cannot help, but think this is like the perfect thing for (laughs) what we're going through now. Um, Well, let's, let's kind of dive in here. So I have the book right here. Um, Let's kind of start from a broad perspective. What is it? What is the connections paradigm? Sure. Connections paradigm is a ancient Jewish approach to life, really, um, and mental health is a highly relevant uh, aspect of, of the paradigm. Um, and uh, what's interesting about it, it's, it's, this is a, 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 a Jewish teaching that I learned from, um, not from a secular source, I learned it from a religious source, from, from my rabbi, who learned it, Rabbi Lawrence Kellerman in Jerusalem. And he learned it from, from his rabbi, Shlomo Volbi, who was originally from Germany, actually, and then ended up in making his way to Israel, um, who learned it from his rabbi, uh, Rabbi Rucham Levavitz, who learned it from his rabbi, and I could go back, you know, <laughs> a couple more generations, here. but um, this is, um, this is a, you know, this does not come from uh, a modern psychological thinking. This comes from an ancient uh, Jewish tradition, and um, it, um, nevertheless, though, um, despite its uh, origins, or maybe because of its origins, it's uh, so highly relevant to um, modern mental health, to modern issues that people are facing today, like anxiety and depression, and substance abuse and other concerns, which unfortunately are ubiquitous. Mm-hmm. So before we kind of dive in further, you know, in the book, you talk about how you were even drawn to begin thinking about this topic. Share with our listeners how, how, kind of that, how that unfolded. Sure. The basic concept of um, uh, the connections paradigm is that we're uh, human beings were created, and our primary mission in life is to have thriving relationships, and those relationships are with our, within ourselves, between body and soul, with other people, and having a spiritual relationship as well with uh, what many people refer to as God. And those relationships are not only what define us; they are the most important assets that we can have. And to the extent that we have thriving relationships in those three domains, we can thrive in life. We can experience the life to its fullest. Mm-hmm. That's really what life is about. And just that concept that we're not here only to make money and be successful. It's not all about you know, productivity or, um, or accomplishment. It's about um, those connections that we have and deepening them, broadening them, making them stronger, making sure that nothing gets in the way of them. That's our primary task in life. And what I mean by task isn't in a religious sense, I mean in a psychological sense. We thrive when we do that. And I think it's a truth that I've experienced myself and certainly in my clinical practice. If I see mm-hmm. You know, when I first picked up the book, I, I was like, and reading about it and reading about the, the kind of the, the three connections you talk about interpersonal, um, you know, and the uh, connection with God and so forth. I was like, Oh my hand, you know, I, I'm failing in each of these three categories. But then as I was reading further, it's like, okay, you know, I have a good relationship with my wife and it's, it's good here and good in this category. Um, how, it is it does it's not kind of binary right it's not well we either have a good one or we don't it seems like you can have a 
you can improve, you can have maybe the connection interpersonally, for example, is okay. It doesn't have to be great, but it can be okay. We can work on that, right? Well, I, it's interesting. According to the connections paradigm, one of the concepts is that we, at any moment in time, we're either in the world of connection or disconnection in any of these three relationships. Um, and I think we can sort of feel ourselves getting into this. Like, for example, it's been a long day. We know we have to get to sleep, but we're drawn to our computer to answer those emails or to take care of the stuff that we have to. That's, it's insidious and it's almost fleeting. It's hard to even pinpoint, but what we're really doing there is something which is not very kind to our body. Mm. We're not respecting our body's limits. And we would never do that to someone else. Say, you know what, just stay in the office another 30 minutes after you know a 12 hour day in order to answer these emails. You would never demand it of, a, a, of somebody else. So why would we demand it of ourselves? So those are acts of disconnection that I think what you're describing is the sum total of those micro actions, which occur at any moment during the day. Um, so yes, we can always build greater connection or less connection. But nevertheless, at any moment in time, we're either choosing to put relationships first and be uh, uh, mindful and uh, uh, to develop those relationships with ourselves, with others, and our spiritual connection, or not. Right. Whether consciously or not as well, right? We're choosing consciously or not. Oftentimes, we're, we're not even thinking about these decisions yeah, I think often we're not thinking consciously and in some ways, you know, that uh, um, engenders disconnection when we're just mm -hmm. doing things by road or automatically. If we haven't tried, you know, if we haven't developed positive habits. Then so let's talk more about these kind of three domains of uh, the, the paradigm in a sense. Sure. Yeah. So again, according to the paradigm, there's three. Are you ready to become the best version of yourself? Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support, and it is 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. No more worrying about finding the right provider or scheduling appointments. Cerebral brings it all to you whenever and wherever you need it. To get started on your path towards better mental health, Cerebral is giving you, the Trauma Therapist Podcast listeners, 15% off your first month of online therapy, medication, or both. Get started by going to Cerebral.com slash podcast and use the code the Trauma Therapist. That's Cerebral, C-E-R-E-B-R-A-L.com slash podcast. And don't forget to use the code the Trauma Therapist to get 15% off your first month. Make 2024 your best year yet. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Please see site for details. Going Inside is a new podcast on a mission to help you heal from trauma and connect with your authentic self. Hosted by licensed trauma therapist John Clark, this show explores trauma healing through the lens of internal family systems therapy with detours into EMDR, somatic experiencing, and much more. 
Tune in for enlightening guest expert interviews, immersive solo deep dives, real therapy sessions, and soothing guided meditations. Head on over to johnclocktherapy.com slash podcast or search for Going Inside with John Clark on your favorite podcast platform. Once again, head on over to johnclocktherapy.com forward slash podcast or search for Going Inside with John Clark on your favorite podcast platform connections there's our connection with ourselves inner connection connection with others and then our spiritual connection um, connection with ourselves is the most elusive but in some ways the most fundamental and this in psycho psychotherapy in my practice i certainly see in some ways the most i gave you one example before of somebody who has is driving their body to the brink the way i would conceptualize that is we you know we have these two parts i should say the way the paradigm conceptualizes it Everybody has, in some ways, two parts to themselves. We're multifaceted beings, but if you think about it in, in terms of the connections paradigm, there are these two basic aspects. There are, there are our goals and values, what we want to achieve in life. And then there's the fact that the, the, the fact that we're human beings, we're, um, we're um, not only imperfect, but are, we're, um, material we're material beings we're very finite beings who can have an infinite vision in some ways and those two have to get together so if we have a vision of i'm going to build something great but we're pushing our body to the brink we're failing to respect those basic limits we're not mm -hmm. providing our bodies with diet exercise sleep social activity fun fun activities if we're not if we're demanding too much of ourselves that's disconnection but if we're only indulging and focusing on our physical well-being and we don't think about our goals, our, what we're trying to achieve in life, that soul aspect of ourselves, if you will, then that can be equally disconnected. Can I interrupt you for a second? Yeah. So this, this, you know, you said it was an ancient paradigm. Were those two facets that you just described, were they kind of equally represented when this you know, a long time ago, because obviously a long, long time ago, and correct me if I'm wrong, we didn't have that with that, that kind of social pull as much, right? What did that look like? <laughs> I've been thinking about how this would have looked, you know, uh, even 20 or 30, well, you know, and also 100, 200, 500 years ago in different contexts of the world. Um, I, my sense is that uh, there's so many ways to have connection and to fall into disconnection that they actually do apply universally and throughout history. Um, in the current day and age in America, after Thomas Edison invented the light bulb and we all have this temptation to stay up late, it's pretty clear that we're not treating our bodies effectively. But I think in many areas, er eras of history, it was more the opposite was the case, that people didn't think big at all. Mm -hmm. Today, people, you know, a couple last year, there was this uh, pandemic. I don't know if you heard about it. And uh, there were these folks who came up with this crazy idea of a vaccine. And in a matter of six months, six months created not only a new vaccine for this pandemic, but it was a new way of creating, it's an mRNA vaccine. The whole process of vaccination is different than anything, pretty much anything that preceded it. It was an incredible innovation of technology and it happened in, in just in less than a, a year, less than half a year from bench to actual dissemination to tens of thousands of people. I and mean, that's an incredible dream. Right. 
that in previous areas of history, I think people failed to conceptualize how great they could be. That's also some facet of disconnection. Mm. Today, that's not our problem. Our problem is more basic. But I think in other areas of history, there have been other facets of disconnection that people have struggled with. Okay, cool. One one question on that before we kind of move on to the next one. So what are some recommendations you would have for people to maybe hone or cultivate a greater interpersonal connection? Sure. I'll focus on another aspect, another uh, aspect of interconnection. I think it's at the end of that section, the first section of the book. It's called tolerating the body's idiosyncrasies with love and patience. Tolerating our idiosyncrasies. We have these amazing dreams today. And in the electronic era, we can accomplish so much so quickly. These, uh, I don't know if you have one of these devices, but uh, it's amazing who you can reach in a matter of minutes uh, all over the world. How you can send a message and you know, tens of thousands of people all of a sudden get it instantaneously video. We can accomplish so much. Our bodies don't work that way. Our bodies are, there's an animalistic aspect to it. Sometimes we have perspectives, desires, even needs that are um, not, um, it's not as quick. It's not as uh, predictable. It's not as, we don't have as much control. And one of the things that I think is making our mental health crisis so much worse in America is that we don't accept the fact that people will have a bad, bad days. People will, it's not a disease if somebody's having a very, you know, a hard time, even a very hard time some days. Um, I like the, I love the statistic that more than 80% of Americans have a panic attack, full-blown panic attack at some point in their lives. That shows that it's an aspect of human life that people mm -hmm. do panic at some point. It doesn't mean people are sick or weak or feeble. And we have to tolerate those idiosyncrasies, those weaknesses, if you will, and not necessarily pathologize them while recognizing that people do need support. They you know, obviously mm -hmm. have to provide it. So that's a concept. Okay. All right. So let's uh, move on to the next uh, domain. Great. So, so you, we have Okay. Yeah. So our relationship with others. And um, this is something also in American society we're not focusing on as much these days. It's a much more individualistic culture. Um, I live in New England and uh, in Boston, and uh, it's kind of nice. There are certain areas of the city where they have the porch on the outside of the house. And I sort of picture what it would have been like, you know, 40, 50 years ago where, you know, everybody knew whose kids there were and there was more of a sense of community. But there's no one on those porches today. Mm -hmm. And all the new construction houses, none of them have outside porches, very few of them. And uh, if they do, then no one's sitting on them and people aren't. There's no sense there, I shouldn't say no sense of community, but there are very few places in America where people have a real sense of uh, belonging, connection to other people. And those relationships are made primary. And the reason why is because we prioritize our success, our productivity. And um, I think it's one of the reasons why we're faring so poorly in, in, in the society in terms of mental health. We need connection with other people. We need love, we need relationships. These are critical to our survival. What do you recommend for, uh, in terms of honing that or creating that? Sure. I mean, it seems like a simplistic question, but w what would you add to that? Yeah, it's like anything in life. If you want to be successful at it, you have to spend time. And, and the, 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 the trick, the real trick, and this is one of the concepts in the book, is that um, connection is in some ways, in many ways, the opposite of productivity. 
because if we're focused on being productive, you can't be focused on being connected. So it really means carving out time and accepting that we're not gonna necessarily accomplish as much, but our relationships are our primary and, and given priority. One thing, at least for, for example, for romantic couples, is to go out of the house on a weekly date, right? A lot of folks married with kids, oh, we haven't dated in three years. Like, no, you get out of the house and you get a babysitter, do whatever you need to, and get out of the house on a weekly date. 90 minutes of your time a week. It's not a lot, but it adds up. You know, it feels, David, like this connection paradigm is something that, you know, you hear people talk about after realizing after a tragedy, right? After something tragic has happened to them, they they come to terms with realizing with what's important and I've got to shift, I've got to change. And the, I think one of the reasons why I like what you're talking about here is it really brings us back to being aware about what's important in our lives and, and taking ownership of that and taking action of that to, to create those that, that health in a sense. I, I, I agree with you. Um, often we need a, a disruptive event in order to um, sort of center ourselves and remind ourselves what's really important in the world. And I think connection is, like I said at the beginning, if it's a purpose in life, you know, that there's nothing more important. Right, right. Um, and in terms of the third one, the connection with God. Yes, with our spirituality. Um, a couple of concepts here, I think, apply iris almost irrespective of a person's you know, level of belief in, in, uh, in God. One of them is this, that human beings um, have incredible capacity to achieve things in this world, um, much more than we all think. We all have these tremendous abilities that are latent inside of us. They're dormant and they can be brought out. I'm sure you've heard of these stories of people who all of a sudden lift up a car because somebody's caught underneath it, or they're all of a sudden able to run, or they're you know, people who have certain disabilities and they can, they can overcome it. And I, I don't think those are strange stories at all. I'm not even surprised when I read them because human beings are really incredible. I, I think we um, are very quick to dismiss, to not recognize, we're, we're not quick enough to recognize, that's true, our own abilities and the abilities of the people around us. Um, I think there's a lot of worry and a lot of concern as opposed to recognizing our inherent um, capacity to move beyond our perceived limits. What do you say more about that? I mean, there's a lot of worry about that. I mean, uh, people, I, I think people don't, are so concerned that maybe I won't be successful. So I'm not going to try. I'm not going right. to give it, I'm not going to give it a shot. You know, I, I'm very fortunate in this regard to live in a city where the first heart transplant occurred, the first successful heart surgeries. Uh, the other, a couple of years ago, I read that at, um, I think it was at Mass General Hospital, somebody underwent a double arm transplant. Isn't that incredible? It's incredible. Well, right. How does that even happen? And right. there's such amazing technologies today that people can use, um, medical technologies and, and innovations and science and travel and education. I mean, it's just, it goes on and on. I, I think it's, from the perspective of the connections paradigm, these aren't just 
grandiose ideas, they occur because people have a spiritual aspect to them. And we can actually achieve a lot more than we think because by virtue of um, uh, spiritual aspects, which are internal to us. Um, so in terms of, again, in terms of, uh, you know, cultivating that, I mean, in your book, you know, you, you talk about your, uh, uh, your faith and your, your religion and so forth and the time that you spend weekly um, that allows you to reflect. Talk a little bit about how you, in the book, talk about people, ways they can cultivate that spirituality. Sure. Um, one of the concepts in the book is that if you have, if you're looking at the world and you see it should look differently than it does now, let's just say you came up with this idea that there has to be a trauma podcast. You know, and the world needs it because people need to hear about trauma. They need to hear about it through word of the, word of the podcast. And you think that you're the right person to do that job. That becomes a divine service to actually go out and accomplish that and change the world you see the way you see fit. There's so much that we can offer planet Earth. And I think it, it, from the view of the connections paradigm, um, um, God set up the world in a way that each of us has a job to do. And um, that's, that's not accidental. Things happen for a reason. And we have, we have our role. We just have to dream really big. So one practical thing is to look at the world, see what you'd like to change, and to dream about what role you could play in that process. Just to mm -hmm. spend a couple minutes a day thinking about what could you offer this world? What are you here to do? And um, try to take some steps in that regard. I like that example. I mean, it, it, you know, I'm hearing a lot of self-trust, a lot of self-awareness, trusting our gut. You know, you're not saying go to, you know, go to church and, and pray. You're huh. saying, but, but you're, you could be for some people, right, but right. not necessarily at all. Right, right. Wow. So, you know, I asked you earlier on how you got to the point where you were even interested in this. I want to kind of go back to that and invite you to talk a little bit about your interest in this topic in the first place. Um, I'll tell you, I, I got into clinical psychology and counseling when I was in grad in uh, undergraduate school in uh, in college. I took a course. I thought it was really fascinating, but I was struck by how spirituality and religion, for that matter, are really ignored. I think in my introduction to psychology textbook, there were two references to religion, and one of them referred to uh, religious uh, forms of obsessive compulsive disorder. And that was it. And that's just not a uh, um, accurate or sophisticated or comprehensive um, conceptualization of how spirituality can impact people's emotional experiences. And I sought to develop ways of um, um, helping people to modulate, to uh, understand, and to modulate, to uh, change their emotional experiences by tapping into spiritual perspectives. And this line of thinking that I happened happen to uh, learn about um, seemed, uh, seemed like a really perfect fit. And that caused you to what, seek out that particular rabbi who- Yeah, yeah. I, I've learned with him as much as I possibly could over the years. I mean, I flew to Israel a number of times and spent several days with him, pummeled him with questions. I used to 
he used to have a, a drive from uh, someplace in New Jersey to a place in New York. It was about an hour and a half. I would go up there by by uh, by car service, and I would sit with him in the car for an hour and a half every month for months on end, taking copious notes about this paradigm and trying to understand it. And I really I learned as much as I could uh, about it. Um, that's awesome. That's awesome. In terms of uh, trauma, I mean, if, if we can just briefly talk about that specifically, sure. where, how does this, I mean, again, one can certainly speculate, and how does this fit in with it? Connection great question. Yeah, it's a great question. I was thinking about it for our, for our conversation today. Um, on the level of interconnection, when people go through a traumatic experience, their body is going to have a hard time. It's important to recognize that, to accept it, not to expect one's body, one's emotions or physical uh, body to be performing at optimal, uh, at optimal, uh, optimum levels of uh, performance. You can't expect that of oneself if you've gone through a difficult time. And I think that self-acceptance is part and parcel of connection in many ways, trying to support ourselves, getting ourselves the help, the help that we need. Another thing is reaching out to others, interpersonal connection. And here we actually have seen this with folks coming back from OIF, OEF, you know, a lot of vets at the beginning of uh, the Afghanistan war, there were, uh, you know, people were told, don't speak to your spouses about it, just handle mm -hmm. it yourselves, you know? And, and it was disastrous. The levels of PTSD went through the roof. Now it's understood that families have to be involved. People need to be able to speak to their spouses. And that connection is critical, not only in the case of, of uh, trauma related to war and combat, but also other forms of trauma. We need the love and care of others. Um, and finally, in terms of spirituality, this is a tough one because sometimes people seeing a trauma as, you know, why did, why did that mm -hmm. happen? It shouldn't have happened. So that's a question that people have to grapple with. And it's not an easy question but somehow trying to think about, could this be a catalyst for positive change in one's life moving forward? It's not an easy place to get to, but if people can, then that can be a huge catalyst for change. Mm -hmm. um, and those are a couple of ideas about it. Okay. All right, so the book again is The Connections Paradigm. Uh, David, how about an additional book recommendation, whether, you know, trauma related or not, or spiritually, spirituality related or not, what would you share? Here's what I'm going to show. I'm I'm definitely an, an, more of an academic nerd than, than anything else. And uh, you know, most of most of my reading is um, is about um, you know uh, research on uh, spirituality and uh, and mental health. Um, so um, I think uh, one of my one of my uh, my graduate school mentor rather, Kenneth Pargament, wrote a book on spiritually integrated psychotherapy, which is out with Guilford Press, and that is a um, uh, a, uh, you know, it's a textbook primarily for, uh, for academicians or for clinicians, um, in terms of popular books. And I'm not as, I'm not as well read as I'd like to be. Sure. Um, okay. So that's, that's great. Those, um, again, the title is spirituality, spiritually integrated psychotherapy, spiritual integrated. Okay, great. I'll have that linked up at the show notes page along with your book. Uh, again, the connections paradigm at the trauma podcast.com. All right. Uh, David, I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, again, you, you know, you look at the book and you can't help but think that uh, we need this right now more than ever. 
So I would certainly agree with that, myself included. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Nice to meet you. All right, sir. Instacart shoppers know groceries. They know that you can't make guacamole with rock-hard avocados. They know how to quickly find those peanut butter pretzels you can never find. And they keep you in the know by giving you updates about your order along the way. Let Instacart shoppers help take shopping off your plate so you can get time and energy back for what really matters. Visit instacart.com or download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $10. Additional terms apply. Instacart. Add life to cart.